Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Up next, The Truth with Lisa Booth, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Teachers unions care about their pocketbooks. Politicians care about their agendas. But who's looking out for the best interests of, you know, the students? Too few people in positions of power seem to be asking that question. So today, I found out why. This is The Truth with Lisa Booth. Welcome back to The Truth with Lisa Booth. I've got an amazing show for you guys this week. My guest has taken on the teachers' unions, which, of course, meant that she was one of the most attacked members of President Trump's cabinet. She is former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, who worked for the Trump administration from 2017 to January of this year. Secretary DeVos has been deeply involved in education policy for decades, working tirelessly as a passionate advocate of school choice. As she described in a 2013 interview, quote, What we are trying to do is tear down the mindset that assigns students to a school based solely on the zip code of their family's home. We advocate instead for as much freedom as possible. Secretary DeVos is the former chair of both the American Federation for Children and also the Philanthropy Roundtable Board of Directors. She also served on a number of other local and national boards, including Art Prize, the American Enterprise Institute, the Foundation for Excellence in Education, and DeVos Institute for Arts Management at the University of Maryland. She also served as the chair of the Michigan Republican Party from 1996 to 2000 and from 2003 to 2005. I want to bring on Secretary DeVos to have a wide-ranging and in-depth conversation about the state of America's education system today especially as our schools continue to face unprecedented challenges during COVID. School choice, Title IX reforms, teachers' unions, and even critical race theory. 
I promise we're going to cover it all today. And with that, I want to welcome to the show the former Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. I'm so excited to have this conversation because a lot of as you know, conservatives, we talk about things like school choice, but sometimes there's a lot of nuance in it. And so I really just want to break it all down with you. But before we get started on that, this is really even before you served as Secretary of Education, this has really been a passion of yours. You've served on boards. You've invested a lot of money, a lot of time on this issue. Why Why does school choice mean so much to you? Well, Lisa, you're right. I mean, for more than three decades, I've been working on and advocating for families, for parents to have uh, the ability to make decisions and control where their kids and how their kids go to school and learn. And um, it, it started, frankly, when my oldest son, who just turned 39, was starting kindergarten, and I began to get involved at a uh, a small urban Christian school in my hometown of Grand Rapids. The more I volunteered, the more I realized there were families there that loved having their kids there, but many families who wished they could have their kids there for pro- you know probably ten to twenty as many families, uh, ten to, you know ten to twenty times more families that would have loved to have their children in that kind of a school, but simply can't afford it, couldn't afford it, and so. What began as a a volunteer activity soon um, really grew into an issue of fairness and justice from my perspective. And uh, having been involved in a lot of partisan politics at the same time, I realized ultimately that the only way to bring these kinds of opportunities to families was really to change public policy. And you had to do that with a, a political element involved. Well, and that's why I've never understood about some of the attacks against you from the left, because, look, you're you're wealthy. That's great. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy in America. But if you're wealthy, you can you can you have school choice, right? You have the opportunity to send your kids to, to private schools. You have the opportunity to move to a better zip code. So your kid is in a better school district and, and to get a better education. It's really the fight for the people who don't have those same resources, who don't have that same income level. That's why I've really never understood those attacks against you, because it, it it's not for wealthy individuals. This is a fight for people who can't afford the same access, who deserve it. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, the media has been complicit in obfuscating the issue for many, many years. Uh, because the politicians who sit and, and are, are loyal to the teachers' unions um, you know, they're the ones that also have made choices themselves, and they're total hypocrites when it comes to denying families who they profess to want to help. Um, it, they're just total hypocrites when they're sending their children to private schools, whether they're faith-based or otherwise, and, uh, and denying that same opportunity to families that can't afford to, to write the tuition checks. Well, and, and so before we get in, I, I do want to talk to you about the teachers unions and really dig in uh, to that a little bit further. But so my understanding is when you look at school choice more broadly, it falls under two buckets. You have private school choice and then you have public school choice. Can you kind of break down those two buckets for the people listening? Sure. So a lot of people get really confused when we talk about school choice and some of them think that school choice simply means charter schools or the ability to go to a charter school, uh, let's be really, really clear. Charter schools are public schools 
that are funded with public monies, public tax dollars. And um, the difference for charter schools is that they are independently operated from uh, others in their, in, you know, in their region or in their district or their system. And uh, that is, that has been a, a real thorn in the eyes of those who want to protect the system and to keep all of the power and control and resources for themselves. So the teachers unions have continued to fight against charters because it represents a, a lack of ability for them to control. The other part of school choice, there are many different mechanisms for it, but when public funds, when taxpayer funds flow to uh, private schools, whether they're faith-based schools or virtual schools or whether they're uh, buying a course from a, a university or, um, you know, some other mechanism that can be done through uh, a tax credit at a state level. It could be done through a direct voucher um, amount. It can be done through an education savings account where uh, monies are, are uh, attributed or, or, you know, given to a family to then buy different education resources and customize education. Uh, there's, there's different mechanisms to choose non-public or private providers of education as well. And uh, it, it's been, I, I think it's been really difficult for a lot of people to envision what this could look like for themselves or the, you know, their children or grandchildren until really recently in this last uh, year when schools shut down, uh, many didn't reopen. And uh, families began looking for alternative ways for their children to continue learning. And suddenly, I think many eyes, you know, many parents' eyes have been opened across the country around what, uh, what school choice could mean or could be for their children. And we've seen, you know, states take additional actions. I believe it's West Virginia and Kentucky. You know, they've signed a new, new school choice expansions this year. How much more, you know, how many more states or, or what kind of engagement do you think we're going to see from parents who, quite frankly, are just fed up with schools being closed and feeling like their kids aren't getting educated, yet, you know, a lot of these public schools have surpluses or have certainly have enough money to open? Well, exactly. And one of the things that I um, have been very proud of what uh, what our team did while we were at the Department of Education was to really bring um, the whole issue and notion of school choice to the foreground. We really lit a prairie fire under the notion of monies following the student instead of monies going to a building or a system. And uh, when the shutdowns occurred last spring, um, you know, we are now in a place where many states are considering legislation to either expand programs that they already have, or in many cases, states are introducing programs where they haven't even thought of entertaining them before. And you mentioned West Virginia. Uh, they just passed um, what is nearly a universal for, for every student in West Virginia, the possibility to access one of these education savings accounts. So uh, students there could buy tutoring services or they could buy uh, classes online for 
Um, you know, if, if their school is open and they're attending, but their school doesn't offer something they want, or if their school isn't open and isn't doing um, what it, uh, it is there to do, the parents can take that education savings account and take and put their children in a school that is going to meet their needs. So West Virginia um, just you know came along and joined the crowd on on uh, school choice. Kentucky very recently as well, um, and this is another really interesting uh, phenomenon because the governor there. Um, the legislature passed the tax credit legislation to establish a tax credit. The governor vetoed it in spite of the fact that he himself sends his own children to a private school. And uh, then, the gov then the legislature overrode his veto to establish the program. So, it, uh, you know, it, it's a win for the kids in Kentucky. Um, Florida and Arizona and Indiana are considering historic expansions of programs that they've had. Uh, South Dakota just expanded their tax credit program. Um, Oklahoma just passed legislation to have monies follow the student within any public school system or between systems. So the, the whole issue of empowering families to make these choices has really caught fire. And um, the shutdowns from the pandemic and the ways that the teachers unions have responded or not responded have really precipitated a lot of this move and, frankly, continue to, to build the, uh, the, the resolve of families to do what they need to do for their kids. Well, and that seems to be the case, I believe. Did you say it was the governor's child goes to private school? Uh, governor Bashir's children go to private school. Well, and that seems to be the case with so many of these politicians. I mean, I remember Governor Newsom got flack because he was sending his kids back to private school in Sacramento when public schools were shut down. So those students weren't afforded the same opportunity. Or there was a union leader in Berkeley, California, opposing opening schools. Uh, however, he was sending his kid to a private school. So why do so many of these politicians, primarily on the left, they, they want that great education for their kids, but they're denying it for other children. Well, I think too many of them are, frankly, totally beholden to the teachers union because the perception, at least I think what they believe, is that you can't cross the teachers union or you're going to get punished in your next primary or your next, you know, your next race for, for re-election. And, um, and this is, uh, this is simply untenable and, and tragic for millions of kids across the country who for months have been either uh, denied a full-on robust education or, uh, you know, or, or been treated to something that is so meager and so inadequate that the implications are going to be felt for decades, if not their entire lifetime. And, and so um, I, I think, again, the demand is continuing to grow. And I firmly believe that more and more politicians are going to realize they cannot be on the wrong side of this issue any longer. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances 
like your fridge, even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once. And two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play. But you've got people like the president of the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weigarten, uh, who recently said in an interview, look, kids are resilient and they will recover. Uh, is that true? Well, we don't have uh, we don't have any good measures of how much is going to be lost, particularly on the ki- part of the kids who are the most vulnerable. I mean, the, the kids whose families have been able to figure out an alternative or go and pay for an alternative, those kids are ultimately probably going to be okay. But uh, it's just heartbreaking to hear some of the stories of kids who's, uh, you know, who are, who are um, attempting to sit in front of a, a computer screen for an hour or maybe two a day for whom it simply doesn't work and, uh, and, and for whom the instruction is a fraction of what they would get if they were actually in class, in person, uh, and not having that one-on-one or that direct human contact, we don't know what the long-term implications are going to be. But we know from the short term that it's going to be devastating for millions of kids. And I think about uh, the story I heard of a, a young man, an athlete in New Mexico, who 
um, you know, home in isolation for months on end, who kept, you know, wanting to be back in school, wanting to play in, on his sporting teams or his uh, his sports teams, and um, and and who ultimately uh, took his life because he had he ultimately ran out of hope. And there's more than one story like that, and it's just simply tragic. And uh, the longer that uh, the teachers' unions continue to put up roadblocks, the more tragic stories we're going to hear like that young man. Well, and I saw uh, one children's hospital out of San Francisco said that they had they had seen a 66 percent increase in the number of suicide suicidal children in the emergency room. So certainly when you hear statistics like that and the story that you just mentioned, you know, it's. It's really sad, and it really gets to the question of why some of these schools haven't been reopened. There is this study uh, that was done by, I hope I'm not butchering their names, but Corey DeAngelis and uh, Christos uh, Macrides. And essentially, their research found that uh, schools' closures had more to do with union influence rather than scientific concerns about COVID. And they actually looked at 12,000 school districts nationwide in their research. So why are these teachers unions so opposed to reopening? Well, I see, I think they, they saw and see an opportunity to get more control, more resources. And uh, I, I go back to last spring when it was clear from all of the data that was coming in really around the world, you know, European children went back to school already last spring. And when President Trump and I began calling for schools to reopen, uh, you know, you would have thought um, that we were asking for an impossibility based on what we were experiencing. But the reality was that kids were safely going back to school all over the world. And it was nothing but uh, the union in, in, you know, intransigence and, and frankly, uh, flexing uh, muscle and power and, uh, and and control to ultimately deny the most vulnerable kids uh, their opportunity to continue to learn. And they're doing it yet today. I mean, the fact that uh, teachers in Fairfax County right outside of D.C., um, you know, kept, kept moving the goal, have kept moving the goalposts. Well, we have to wait until the teachers are vaccinated. Well, now the teachers are vaccinated and now it's something else not opening in person again. Uh, you know, the, the schools in California where more than a fifth of the teachers have said they don't intend to return to school as required this month. Uh, it, it, it is in it, primarily in these large urban districts where the teachers unions are the most powerful and where, frankly where the kids are, are most in need of being in school, in, in class 100% of the time uh, where they're the ones who are getting hurt in the process. And, and frankly, they're the ones that I have continued to fight for for more than 35 years now. Well, and you're right, because that, that's what's sad about this, because a lot of families with wealth, you know, they're creating pod type education for their kids. They're either pulling their kids out of public school, sending them to private schools. They have options. And, you know, sadly, it's a lot of families that don't have that same income level who don't have those options. So, you know, a lot of kids are falling behind who just don't have that educate or don't have that financial income uh, to, to 
to get the right kind of education right now. Exactly. Yeah, I think it was in Tennessee that recently did uh, a study and and they estimated that upwards of 50% learning loss in reading and math um, for kids who haven't been in school. Uh, Well, you, you know, you can't expect that kids are going to regain that uh, learning loss by going back to the same situation, the same type of classroom, uh, the same, uh, you know, the, the same construct that they left before. There are ways for them to make up learning losses, but it's not going to be returning to the same system and, and the same way of doing things because it, they've demonstrated time and time again they cannot get it done. So teachers unions obviously have a stranglehold over the left and liberal politicians. You know, how exactly do they work? How do they obtain that kind of power? Well, they've uh, they've been very strategic about it. And remember, the uh, the Department of Education was uh, stood up in 1979 at the end of uh, President Carter's term um, as a payoff to the teachers union. And by... uh, you know, establishing the Federal Department of Education, the ability to try to centralize and control education, even though states ultimately have uh, have that right and have that power on the state-by-state basis, um, they have continued to solidify and, and, uh, and, you know, and gather that control um, administration after administration. We saw it during the Obama administration. Uh, I'm, I'm fearful about what the Biden administration is going to do. Um, we're seeing them, you know, grant waivers to states um, to basically uh, skirt their accountability requirements. Uh, my own home state of Michigan, they have a uh, They've given Michigan waiver authority to not identify the lowest five percent of uh, of school schools as a you know on a performance metric, and uh, and they're holding back billions of dollars from the uh, the CARES and, and uh, America Recovery Act funds in order to control what happens at the state and local level from Washington D.C. and so the continued. Um, the continued, uh, you know, gathering of power and, and focus of power at the federal level um, at the expense of state and local uh, districts is, is uh, I think, points to their, their long-term strategy and has continued to pay off. And, and frankly, in too many cases, federally elected Republicans have been um, either asleep or complicit in, in helping to solidify that power. And I think parents, I, I know parents are, are having their eyes opened and they're awakening to the fact that uh, they have got to reclaim and, and reassert that control and that ability to decide their kids' futures and their education. You know, many of them sitting behind their kids watching what they've been learning remotely, um, they're, they're aware of what their kids are or aren't learning. Many of them are concerned about the content and the quality of what they're learning. So I, I think, I think again, this the whole uh, COVID issue has really helped to um, point out why a nationalized school system does not work and why we have to do a, a tremendous pivot from where we've been and really put uh, power back into the hands of families and have funds follow the students 
to the, the, the education location of their choice. Well, and it's a political winner, too. I mean, you look at polling, the majority of Americans support school choice, independents, Democrats, majority of minority uh, parents support school choice. So it is a political winner. And I, I think at the heart, even some on the left support. I mean, you look at someone like Senator Cory Booker. He used to be a big proponent proponent of school choice. He went to an event you held in Michigan debating in favor of school choice. He has served on pro voucher boards with you. He has backed vouchers, charter schools. Uh, but then he gave a dramatic speech in 2017, actually opposing your nomination. Why did he do such a flip flop on such an important issue? Because he fancied himself president and he didn't want to get on the wrong side of the teachers union. I mean, I that's, that's the bottom yeah. line. And that's sad because it's the, you know, the kids who inevitably lose in the end. And that's what that's what really bothers me about why Republicans and why we just I mean, this should be this is you know, a civil rights movement in a sense, a human rights issue in the sense of why should kids, why should their zip code determine the kind of education they get? And we know education is so important on what kind of person you're going to be in the future, the opportunities that are can be presented to you in the future. And it's it's disturbing that there's not more support. I mean, this, I mean, this should be the fight. Yes, absolutely agreed. And I think, um, I think one of the challenges for some Republicans, and it's, I think it's particularly those that represent rural areas, is they don't really see what's in it for their constituents um, because they don't see a you know second school being built next to that little rural you know K through 12 school. There aren't enough kids, perhaps, or whatever. And I I challenge them and say that isn't the extent of what school choice looks like. School choice looks like a lot of different forms. If, uh, if there's a handful of kids in that small rural school who learn differently, there's no reason that with school choice, they couldn't take the funds meant for them and have a, and form a separate little micro school that might exist right within that same school building or a student in, uh, you know, their junior or senior year taking a class online from a provider, a high quality provider anywhere in the world, uh, but buying that because they've made the choice to do that. Uh, there's no limit to the creativity that can be um, exercised when you empower families to make those choices and to express the needs for their kids um, to become everything they're meant to be. Well, it really just comes down to freedom and opportunity, which are two things Republicans purport to be for. So, you know, I it, it should be the fight. And we've seen, too, I mean, even if you look at uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, I mean, there is research and evidence pointing back to the 2018 gubernatorial race that that is in part why he won the race against Andrew Gillum, which was his support for school choice. Absolutely. Yeah, that margin in that race was very small. It was uh, between 50 and 60,000 votes, I believe. And um, you look at the data behind it and double the number of black females voted for or double the percentage of black females voted for Ron DeSantis as one would have expected or, quote, should have. And um, I, I guarantee they were worried about not having the opportunity for, to choose their kids' schools and, and not be able to participate in the school choice program because Gillum said he was going to eliminate it or they had kids in the program and they wanted to make sure that they could continue. But it was definitely a factor there. Huge factor. 
And what kind of research, uh, you know, what's the best way if someone says, oh, you know, look, school choice isn't better for a child's education? What's your retort? What's your response to a statement like that? Well, first of all, it, it, you know, it's the parent's decision what, you know, how, how and what is best for their kids. They're the ones who love their kids the most, who are closest to them, who know them the best. And it really, really angers me when I hear people, it's, it's usually the, um, you know, the liberal elite who say, well, you know, there's, there's parents who can't possibly figure this out for their, for them, you know, for their children. That is so offensive. It is just unbelievable that they could even utter those words. I have met parent after parent after parent who is longing to have their children get a different education, a better education, go to a safer school, go to a more nurturing school, whatever the case may be, parents know what's best for their kids and they should be able to decide that. They should not have the government and liberal elites telling them what to do, when to do it and where to go. But it seems like it's really driven by, you know, rich white liberals who send their kids to private fancy schools, but yet don't want the rest of the country to have the same opportunities from from my vantage point, it seems. But, you know, and at the heart is is actually. Yeah. And is at the heart, you know, it's ridiculous to think parents can't can't make the best uh, decisions for for their own kids here. But, you know, I want to get it. You'd mentioned earlier uh, about just some of the things that, you know, as parents are sort of watching on these Zoom calls and paying more, you know, more involved really in the curriculum and what their children are being taught now that they're home, that they're seeing it in action in person. Uh, and, you know, that is concerning. You look at things like the Oregon Department of Education last February was encouraging teachers to register for a training that argues that math is racist, uh, that, you know, somehow the focus of finding the right answer or being required to show your work is somehow, uh, you know, racism. But, I mean, isn't that racist, though, the premise that minority kids cannot find the right answer? Absolutely it is. And, uh, I mean, we've seen example after example after example of uh, the, the introduction, I mean, the, the force feeding of curriculum that is so counterproductive and so antithetical to everything that we, you know, we believe should be a, a part of a robust and, and healthy, um, you know, experience for kids in their education. And, and, and again, I think this is, uh, this has been a real awakening for a lot of families across the country to see what's actually going on and, um, and to hear firsthand. I mean, when, when uh, schools first went virtual and remote, we heard uh, several examples of districts that were trying to get parents signing a, a, a statement saying they weren't going to observe their children's classroom or they weren't going to eavesdrop or they weren't going to listen to what their children were being taught. I mean, un, unbelievable examples of overreach and, um, and, and, you know, control on the part of a, a system that, again, is there existing really for itself, not for the kids. I, I heard an anecdote, the, not a little story the other day of, um, you know, an, uh, anonymous comments being fed to a, a school leader about how they've navigated through. And this was, uh, I think, a school that was in person for most of the time. Um, but, you know, there was a comment that there was too much focus on the kids. Now, what is education for if not to focus on the kids? 
another example of just the total um, mismatch between what the system is oriented to do and what kids need. But do you think that's part of why Democrats want the lock on our public schools and the education system so that they can essentially indoctrinate kids? I think that's uh, that's definitely the agenda of many within the system. I don't for a minute think that many that a lot of the teachers um, subscribe or ascribe to that. But I I think that that is uh, that is definitely part of the agenda of many within the system. Uh, and, and I want to make sure that we we really um, distinguish between teachers and uh, and then the teachers that are really advocates for uh, the teachers union and and holding control over the whole system. And you know I I think about a couple of roundtables I had um, while at the Department of Education with teachers who had been teachers of the year in their state or their district. And, you know, it had their, their year of uh, what I called their victory lap around the state and then had come back to the classroom and shortly after that had decided to quit teaching. I wanted to understand why they wanted to quit teaching. And so I listened to them and almost to a person, it was something like, you know, you've had your chance at, uh, you know, at fame, you've taken your victory lap. Now you just need to get back into your classroom and, you know, basically be quiet, don't ask questions, and go back to what you were doing before. Now, these individuals clearly had something to offer to others, perhaps to their peers, perhaps to, um, you know, new teachers coming in, but they were not utilized. They were not tapped and, and encouraged to do anything like that. In fact, they were, they were peer pressured to basically get back and, in many cases, just resume mediocrity with, you know, in the milieu of whatever uh, school they happen to be in. And that to me is uh, just another symptom of what is wrong with a system that is essentially a monopoly. Well, yeah, monopolies should be broken up. And I, I'm glad you I'm glad you made that differentiating point because you're right. And delineating between there are a lot of good teachers who really want to serve the needs of kids who want to do right, who are working hard, who probably don't get paid enough. And then, you know, you do. You have these proponents of the teachers unions. You have these people that just want to control power, want to control what they're teaching kids. But so what do those good teachers do then? You know, what do, what do they do to push back, to fight back, to, you know, to try to fight for these kids when, you know, they're up against, you know, these monsters of the teachers unions? Well, I, I think I think for many of them, if not most of them, they finally give up. Uh, why do good teachers leave and quit teaching when they're really good at what they do, they're effective, but if they aren't able themselves to be ultimately fulfilled, to continue to grow in their profession, to have opportunities to train and mentor and, um, you know, take on more responsibilities within their building or within their, you know, their community, um, ultimately, what incentive is there for them to continue when there is the kind of peer pressure that I, I hear firsthand from um, teachers that have, you know, that loved to teach, but have left because they have just felt so beaten down. And, um, uh, you know, th that to me is, is the, again, one of the big travesties of a government controlled 
um, nationalized school system. Oh, totally. I, and and, I, and I'm, I don't blame them. I mean, looking at some of this, uh, you know, whistleblower documents and and these things from, you know, critical race theory. I mean, Christopher Rufo has done a great job about bringing a lot of this stuff to the public. But he was taking a look at some documents out of Buffalo public schools and they teach about 34,000 students, New York's second largest city. And they're teaching that all white people perpetuate systemic racism, forcing kindergartners to compare their skin color and watch a video of dead black children warning them that ra- about racist police and state-sanctioned violence. So what what is the long-term impact on these children uh, to be taught stuff like that in kindergarten? Yeah, I, I know. It's just, uh, it is um, really concerning. And um, uh, again, until we allow for families to ultimately take control of how and where their kids are educated, um, we're going to hear more and more of these uh, awful examples of uh, of really taking um, innocent children and uh, and filling them full with an agenda that is antithetical to America. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from 4Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The biggest thing we can do for equality in the country is to allow each parent to determine what kind of education their child gets and make sure that every child, regardless of skin color, regardless of sex, is allowed to get a great education. Um, But I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your work on, you know, Title IX. You rewrote rules for how colleges and universities handle allegations of sexual assault on campus, uh, you know, really reigned in a system uh, that was stacked against the people who were accused. Uh, You know, why were those reforms needed? Well, they were absolutely uh, necessary because of what the Obama-Biden administration did um, in response to what was a legitimate concern about how institutions should handle handle uh, incidents of sexual misconduct on campus. Uh, you know, let's be very clear. There, there, there were issues, um, and they, you know, that was an issue, an elephant in the room, so to speak. But what they did by issuing a dear colleague letter, which did not have the force of law, but they treated it as though it did, um, which essentially uh, took away the rights of, uh, in many cases, the rights of those. Uh, the, the, the ones who are uh, being complained against, um, it, it was set up a very unfair and um, unreliable and unbalanced approach that resulted in hundreds of cases being filed in courts where the survivor then or the, uh, you know, the, the complainant had to go through and be re-traumatized because the process was so broken. So what we undertook was a rulemaking process and two and a half years to do it, very thorough, very complete, that resulted in a very reliable, fair, and balanced framework for institutions to use and for students to be able to rely on. And, um, you know, the, the criticisms about it, I, I just challenge anyone who is reflexively critical to sit down and read the regulation and, and tell me what requirements there they find unreasonable. They're, they won't find them, really. I mean, maybe small quibbles here and there on minor points, but the, the reality is It is a very fair and balanced uh, rule that ensures due process protections and puts the the survivor really in the driver's seat on how a complaint is ultimately uh, handled and and what process they want to take with the complaint. Well, it's also it's ridiculous because just because you want due process rights for the accused does not mean that you don't also want the the accuser, if the you know the allegations are valid, you want that to be adjudicated. You want that process to play out. So it's like it can't. It's not an either or. It's a both. You want a process. 
that is set up to, uh, for due process to allow the accused to get a fair hearing. And if you you also want the the potential victim uh, to also have a you know system and a process to go through, so that the person who you know committed the acts. Uh, ends up punished. So it's like it, it doesn't have to be an either or scenario, but that's really the way that the left sort of frames the debate. Why is that? Well, simply because they didn't like what we did. And um, again, the reflexive reaction on the part of the advocacy groups that um, have been stood up for survivors, quote unquote, has decided they don't like they don't like the provisions. But what it I mean, it, it actually strengthens provisions for survivors and protections. And it really, it puts them in uh, the driver's seat. If they decide they only want to have supportive measures like, um, you know, changing dorm rooms or changing classes or, uh, you know, a restricting uh, access to, uh, you know, the, the individual on the part of the one they were complaining, supportive measures, but not take a formal complaint through, they have that right to do so. The uh, Obama-Biden letter did not allow them to do that. And I heard many cases where um, these students found themselves in proceedings that they didn't want to be in and didn't didn't agree with. And yet they were they were powerless to do anything about it. We also defined uh, what, you know, sexual harassment is and put a clear definition, a reliable definition around it. Uh, we protect, we give in the, in the rule protections for um, online behaviors, for stalking, for date rape, and really, again, expanded and clearly articulated, uh, um, strengthened protections for survivors. And at the same time, ensure due process protections for those who are accused. So what's your message then to the Biden administration um, that's looking to roll back those rules? I think they do so at their own peril. Um, you know, there, there's, again, I, I challenge anyone who um, reflexive, re- reflexively has criticized it to sit down and tell the world what they disagree with. Um, are they going to deny those who are accused due process rights? Uh, I think not. I mean, the courts have continued to opine that due process protections are fundamental. Um, and so I, I you know, I, I think that uh, the, the thought of undoing what we have done is, uh, is simply untenable. And I, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, ultimately the uh, Biden administration concludes that they had best uh, respect what the, the extensive work that's been done. You know, we had over 140,000 public comments to which we had to respond and did respond. Uh, this was a very thorough, very balanced, and very fair approach that uh, gives a reliable framework for all involved. And um, I- I'm very proud of uh, the work that we did, the team that that did all of the heavy lifting to um, you know, two and a half years to do all of the right things to ensure we ended up at a in a place and with a rule that uh, is is one that can be respected and relied upon. And lastly, before um, before we go, you talked a lot about reimagining education and education freedom during your tenure. What would the ideal future look like for our K through twelve system? 
Well, the, the, the ideal future is that every family ultimately is empowered with the resources that are already spent on them in the public system and that essentially that money attaches to that child's back. I like to picture the backpack with the, you know, the money in the backpack following that child to wherever they go to get their education. And that will create a plethora of new approaches, new innovative uh, solutions to how kids learn in their K-12 through years. You know, the, the American K-12 system is uh, the most ossified um, system of, uh, we, we've seen massive changes in every other part of our society. And yet when it comes to education, a fundamental uh, part of growing up and becoming an adult and a uh, contributing, um, you know, citizen, we, we are, we're stuck in a system that is more than a century, almost a century and a half old. And it's time that we change, and it's time that uh, that families reassert their control and their right to make those decisions, and that uh, then the creativity of the American people is unleashed to create all kinds of solutions that are going to be exciting and uh, and and really, you know, um, totally change the future for kids. And their experience, and uh, and ultimately for our, our society and our economy, because we're going to have a lot more creative entrepreneurs, um, you know, doing things they wouldn't have ever had the opportunity to do. Secretary Betsy DeVos, uh, you are a wealth of information. This was a fascinating conversation, and I appreciate your fight for our children. It's been a a lifelong work for you, and uh, we appreciate the work you're doing and bringing this information to light. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Lisa. Appreciate it. I want to thank Secretary DeVos again for a great interview. And if you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Lisa Marie Booth. Special thanks to our team, producer John Cassio, writer Aaron Cleegan, Researcher Margaret Smith and executive producers Debbie Myers and Speaker New Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 network and team. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.